This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're gonna see some serious. Welcome back to the Passport Podcast. This is episode 91, Return to the Sea. Mm. Oh. What is that from? What, no, no reaction? No asking me what little, it is? Come on. Little Mermaid? It is Little Mermaid. Okay. It's the Little Mermaid sequel. Uh, Came out straight to video I've heard around of the year Mermaid. 2000. Yeah, Little Mermaid. Well, I am Corey Draper. With me, as always, are my fellow guppies, Wes Allen. <laughs> Test your might. And Colin Harmon. I reversed it again. Sorry. That's, Go ahead. It's okay. Colin. I, I enjoy being uh, last. It makes me feel very yeah, honored. Save the best for last. Right. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Wes. Well, I'm, okay. Then I'll introduce myself last next time. Oh, bummer. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining it's us. It's been a while. We are happy to talk to each other and I'm see happy. each other. Yeah. Because we don't really see each other outside of the podcast anymore. I know. How's uh, it going? It's good to see your beautiful faces. Don't ruin the illusion, Corey. <laughs> We're best friends. We hang out every day. We just sit around, eat Cheetos, and talk about you know our favorite Backstreet Boys album all the time. We <laughs> definitely do not not see each other at all. There we go. Slash talk behind each other's backs and secretly wish pain upon each other. Oh, yeah. It's constant slander. Yeah. Um, Colin has facial hair now, by the way. Colin does have facial hair. He's joined the beard group. I know. Can you hear it? How does it feel, Colin? I, I feel like you can hear it on the microphone. I feel like it sounds more muffly, yeah, maybe. Sounds it's more very scratchy. Manly. Yeah. So more scratchy. manly is what it's you like were looking static. for. static. It's like some static. <laughs> Now Corey just needs glasses and he can more handsome. Like the rest of us. Right. Catch up. Yeah, I do need more glasses. Then I truly will be the best one of the three. I know, it's true. <laughs> the bar's pretty low, but thank you. Yeah. Well, so it's been a while, and since it's been a while, there's a lot of, of retro news to talk about, so let's get to it. And a lot of outdated reviews, too. Hey. A lot of outdated reviews of people <laughs> who have been dead for a while, so let's get to it. <laughs> This is what we like to call a recurrent affair. You know, it's so funny. I was uh, watching fireworks uh, from my apartment the other day, and for some reason, when the fires were going off, it synced up perfectly to that song. I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> mm, crazy. Incredible. It really was. Yeah. They always play that song at the finale of all 4th of July <laughs> yeah. fireworks. Oh, yeah. like one of the most patriotic <laughs> memories I have, really, is just that song. So. It is. It's just one firework too. It's right. Like yeah, it's like a yeah. with them with like the little like peppers at the end. Yeah, you get it. It's beautiful. God bless America. Mm, amen. Okay. So we always kick this off with the people from our past who have passed on, and unfortunately, there's a good amount of people here. We'll start with Richard Donner. He directed The Goonies, Lethal Weapons one through four. Scrooge, Superman 1 and 2, The Omen. Yeah. So many movies from our past. Such a um, variety, too. A big variety it's like, there. It's like you have an adventure kid movie, a buddy cop, uh, what do you call it? Franchise. Not a trilogy, but like a franchise. Yeah. A Christmas comedy, a superhero, and a horror movie. It's like, good grief. That, that is impressive. Had, had his foot in everything. Yeah, I feel like I should have been like invited to this guy's uh, memorial service because I feel like he... He has given me so much. I feel like I could have given him the tiniest bit in return. My goodness. Well, he had a good long life, obviously directed a lot of great things, and he died at the age of 91. So RIP Richard Donner, mm -hmm. you gave us great things. Mm. We just um, talk about the fact that his name could have been Dick Donner, but he went with Richard. It's <laughs> probably that. a good call. Yeah. It's probably a good One call. One who dones good the dick. Move. Yeah. Yes. R.I.P. Charles Grodin. Uh, uh, this one, this one stings. Yeah. Um, I mean, they all sting, but this one is. Uh, if you don't know the name, just think Beethoven, the dad in Beethoven. Yes. That's probably what most of our listeners know him from. That's what I knew him from. Uh, or at least what you first knew him from. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. 
But he's also in a bunch of other stuff, Midnight Run, Clifford, and he's in So I Married an Axe Murderer for a few lines, which <laughs> I felt like was a memorable moment. True. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He died of bone marrow cancer at the age of 86. Which, what is bone marrow cancer? Yeah. Is it where all of the marrow in all of your bones uh, becomes acid? Or is it like a, one of your bones just really flies the coop? Well, I'm no doctor, but I'll go ahead and say yes. Okay. <laughs> all of those thinking. things. Yeah. Just all of Just that. all of them. Mm-hmm. Did he remind you guys of uh, Chevy Chase? Like kind of that vibe that he has? He's like an that. angry Chevy Chase. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could see that. Like a deadpan. Like, yeah. He has yeah. like kind of deadpan delivery yeah. that made him a little bit more sullen, but he kind of has those vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I see that too. That makes sense. Next up, we have Samuel Wright, and he did the voice of Sebastian in The Little Mermaid. So that's where I got the sequel subtitle from this for this episode. Mm, I like it. He had he had cancer, died at the age of seventy four. Sebastian, iconic Disney character. Um, I love 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 singing along to Under the Sea in that Jamaican accent. Did he do anything else other than that though? Like, is that his like? only claim to fame i should know more about this but looking at his imdb he has done sebastian for all the you know direct-to-video sequels for the animated series video games all that so like he made a good living just being off of sebastian's voice that's awesome um what a life he didn't he didn't really do much else i think he did a lot of broadway stuff or whatever but it's Mm. like as far as stuff that we would know him from, Sebastian was it, and he rode that like crazy. Okay. R.I.P. Shock G, a.k.a. MC Humpty Hump. Yeah. I, Colin, does this hit you in the feels? It does hit me in the feels. I recall this uh, being announced, but uh, I didn't know him personally, so I feel like, uh, well, oh. I appreciate his oh, art. I thought you... We didn't grow up together <laughs> like you might have assumed. Uh <laughs> given all, all the history of how I've talked about my uh, very inner city upbringings. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of the things where it's, you, you don't realize like, man, there's going to be a lifetime of the icons of our childhood dying. Oh yeah. As we have so articulated in this podcast. <laughs> if, if you don't know who he, who he is, he's best known from the Humpty dance. Um, he was only 57. Yeah. Died from an accidental overdose. So it's like a real, it's a real tragic bummer. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Apparently he produced uh, a lot of Tupac stuff too. He did. Like his debut album. So mm. he was also well known for producing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's It's funny to think like that's actually uh, where I know his name from uh, is from the, like, the Tupac albums. But obviously he had his own career as well in that sense. R.I.P. Olympia Dukakis, which that's a a little bit of a bigger name. You know her from Steel Magnolias, Moonstruck. She was in Look Who's Talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she lived a nice long um, life as well, died at the age of 89, which is crazy. I didn't know she was that old, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I didn't know this name off the top of my head um, in first looking at it, but I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely know who that is in in a once I saw the face kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of those lately where it's just like, I don't know that name. Oh, I, I know exactly who that is once you see their picture. Right. Well, thankfully, that's the end of the list. And, and no we one can else. On. We can, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same jokes, funny every time there, Colin. I know, I love it. <laughs> and speaking of repeating jokes, now let's move on to the things that are being revived and rebooted. <laughs> um, we have first the Such a good Garbage Pail... Yep. The Garbage Pail Kids animated series. This is going to be something I know I'm not going to watch because it's going to disgust me. Uh, it's going to be on HBO Max. Colin's going to love it. Yeah, though. I'm going to bait Wait, here's the thing. It's, it's going to be created and written by Danny McBride. So, along with David Gordon Green and Josh, was it Bicel? Bicel? Bickle? Bicel. Bicel. Um, but yeah, Danny McBride. I mean, we all know his humor. It's going to be on HBO. It's probably going to be disgusting knowing what the Garbage Pail Kids are. Those always kind of creeped me out anyway. And now that they're <laughs> going to be moving and talking, I'm just, I'm good. Did you guys ever see the live action 80s movie Garbage Pail Kids? Heck no. 
No. Dude, it was terrible. Oh, that feels One right. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. It feels right. Um, it does feel right. But yeah. Um, but apparently, I, reading through the, the announcement of this, apparently they're tr- trying to make it as family-friendly as possible for all ages. Oh, so interesting. Which I family? am very interested of <laughs> of how to do that. The Manson family. Yeah, the Adams family. Um, but I'm excited <laughs> for this. I always like, uh, no surprise here for from you guys, but I love Garbage, Garbage Bill Kids. So I'm excited that there's finally going to be an animated series. Well, I, I can't I don't know what that to... looks like, but yeah. I can't wait to hear your review on it. Mm-hmm. We'll do. Yeah. When we get to that section where you review things that Colin and I have not seen. <laughs> yes, I do look forward to your full and comprehensive review. Speaking of which, that's coming up later on this episode. So, <gasps> Not the Garbage Pail Kids, but just the part where Wes reviews things we haven't seen. Excited. So, <laughs> <laughs> next up we have a Polly Pocket movie. It's going re- to be written and directed by Lena Dunham. Which is interesting. Uh, and it will center on a young girl and a pocket-sized woman who form a friendship. Mm. Oh, interesting! As they do. Is this uh, live action? I would do assume you know, so. Wes? I think so. It has to be, unless it's also like might a, be kind of creepy. Yeah, that's interesting. Usually, they bold the animated part when they have a headline of that. So I would yeah. assume that it's live action. It could be like a Hannah Montana um, thing. Yeah, very true. Was there ever a Polly Pocket like animated series of any kind, or was it always just toys? I know there was a Mighty. Was it Mighty Max? Um, yeah, I don't know if there was a Polly Pocket one. There is, but it's, it's not like the same newer. thing, Corey. It's like twenty. I feel like twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. There was like a Polly Pocket show or something like that. But gotcha. I know there's been a, been a resurgence of the toys and stuff, but like I didn't know if they ever went in hard with the animated series like they do with everything. Um, yeah. Because Mighty Max was like the, the boy version of Polly Pocket, right? Right. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Haley still has a lot of her Polly Pockets. Like she was like, she's not very like, you know, nostalgic about keeping things from her childhood. But like she is like she was very uh, good about keeping all the little pieces and everything like that. And like she's. Apparently they go for a lot on eBay what? right now for like complete sets. So she's been like toying with the idea of selling them, but she's like, I don't know if I can do that. So it's like, maybe just hang on to them until you're like, sure you want to, you know, if you want to get rid of them or not. But it's like, it's, it's crazy. Cause like, I didn't keep really any of my toys. So it's <laughs> like the fact that she did that was, uh, I have massive respect for that, for people that can like keep it for that many That's years. That's actually a very shocking thing to hear, Wes. You didn't keep your toys? No, I didn't. Wow. I would, like, I immediately would sell things at garage sales and stuff to buy, like, stupid things like Tommy Hilfiger jeans or some stupid, where I'm just like, <laughs> what the heck did I do that for? And I remember it's like my Power Rangers, like, they were in pristine... Pre- condition and like had all the pieces and all that stuff and i sold them at garage sale and my mom's like are you sure you want to do this i'm like yeah i want my jeans or shoes or whatever the heck so it's like i want my jinkos i know it's like and i don't have those jeans now so what the heck I know it. so i'm so mad at myself that i did that that's yeah so is that why you buy so many now was to make up for all the ones you've lost <laughs> oh yeah i'm compensating i pay like five times as much as that i would as, as a kid so it's like why not spend all my salary on toys that i already had I don't know. i'm an idiot <laughs> i like it hey man i traded in in high school i traded i don't know if it was an original game boy but it was like one of the originals uh for to a kid because he had a super nintendo and i was like oh i'll take the super nintendo console it's better you know and then it's like now it's like oh man the game boy would have been way better to keep and hold on to that seems like a a lot more valuable these days than like one of those big brick game boys but you know when you're a kid and you just you have no idea what value is oh yeah i know stupid children when you're dumber than a box of rocks you don't know anything you know Which I'm proud of Colin. He like he had kept all of his Super Nintendo and Nintendo and all of his games until like recently. So I'm I like, did. I bequeathed you get them. it, man. Yeah. I bequeath them to uh, our friend Nick's kids, and they play them every day, which makes me feel very proud. Oh. Yeah. That's See, the it's way. Better, to do it. better used 
for yeah. the younger generation. Yeah. It's like Toy Story style. You got to pass it on to the next generation yeah. and not put them in an attic somewhere. They're my proverbial bonnies and I love it. Yeah. Deep. All right. Moving back to the news. We have a remake of Christine, uh, which is Stephen King novel. Didn't know this one. Uh, of which, yeah, I know very little. So I assume, Wes, you are the, the expert on Christine. But Brian, Ful- Brian Fuller <laughs> yes. is writing and directing <laughs> it. Um, this is a guy from uh, Hannibal and Star Trek Discovery. That's all I've got. So, Wes, um, fill us in on, on Christine. So you've never heard of it at all? Like zero percent. Oh, I've, I've heard okay. of it, but I know nothing about it. it it's a... It's a Stephen King novel that made, they made an 80s movie from it, and it's about a old kind of 50s car. I think it's a Chrysler. I forget what specific car it is, but it, it basically a guy buys it, and it it, it it like has a mind of its own. Like it'll kind of trap people in it and kill it and stuff like that. And he kind of starts using it for you know devious perp- perp- purposes, but like. Um, yeah, so it's like a horror movie, but with an evil car. Um, so it's, it's, a it's pretty good. I mean, it's not really like the best Stephen King adaptation, but it's not the worst by any means. It's still pretty good. You know, it still holds up pretty well. Um, but the in- interesting thing about the remake is that they're still going to set it in the eighties time period. So I, I feel like that's always good. You know, I wonder if they're just doing that because of the the it and stranger things kind of boom oh, that yeah. just kind of works well with that. Yeah. So um, I'm okay with that, obviously. So, you know, I assume that they'll just kind of ground it more in like the, the book rather than the movie. Um, Cause that seems like the way to go to kind of give a better representation of the book. Um, so I'm excited to see that. And it's produced by Blumhouse and they always do good stuff. So sounds good. All right, well, there you go. We have a bunch of trailers and teasers that have been released that we need to talk about. The first one is the new Wonder Years series. If you didn't know, there's the Wonder Years has basically been rebooted. It's going to be on ABC, uh, and it follows a black family in the 60s. So, And it's, uh, the narrator is going to be Don Cheadle. And uh, it looks pretty good. The the Obviously, we'll link to it in the show notes, as usual, but... As usual, you'll probably just Google it or YouTube it yourself and look it up. But it looks pretty good. Uh, it looks very nostalgic and is definitely going to be a different take uh, on um, that era than the original Wonder, Wonder Years was. So I'm interested in, um, in seeing it. Yeah, I think it's such a smart move to kind of set it in the same time period as the original Wonder Years, but kind of shift the focus to, you know, another culture that kind of experienced it a very different way in that time period. So it's like, I feel like right. I'm very excited for this, um, this reboot and just the way they're approaching it. I'm super excited. And it still has, you know, still seems like it still has the same vibe and the same kind of coming of age kind of story. So yeah. I'm always down for that. So I'm super excited. Did you guys notice that the kid that they casted looks like Don Cheadle? Like I didn't he think about him. that. So yeah, I, I'm I wondering if that. they're doing that intentionally to actually eventually show Don Cheadle. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because Daniel Stern d- definitely does not look like, uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, <all>. Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it looks really good. Definitely recommend looking up the, the teaser. Take a, take a watch. I don't know if that's a phrase. Probably not. Take a watch. Uh, but take a watch to this next trailer, Turner and Hooch. It's a series on Disney+. Plus. It's starting. Uh, actually, it's going to be out now by the time you're listening to this podcast. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on this trailer? I have some, but I'll let you guys talk first. I mean, I definitely uh, very much enjoyed the original Turner and Hooch. Uh, from like a, I've watched we watched it probably a month or two ago just on a whim in some sense I feel like it's one of those things I've I've never actually seen it before oh it's it's oh, it's, it's a good watch yeah. it's good yeah I know I, I very much know of the movie but I've never actually watched it before yeah it definitely plays with that like uh balance of like yeah dogs are a lot of work but like what was more important than what you were doing 
kind of thing <laughs> in a certain sense of like it really like sure you have to deal with some of the things about having an animal in your house but there's like so much more that it brings to your life and the perspective that it brings to your life that uh i really hope they encapsulate in the show in that way because i feel like you know like especially the dog that they use in turner and hooch is like notoriously a very like large and obnoxious and drooly dog but even like being Mm -hmm. able to create endearment around like that kind of dog i feel like gives hope for all other kind of dogs so i hope in some weird (laughs) sense it creates this massive uh insurgence of dogs being adopted and uh good things happening to all the dogs that need to be uh loved on and have good homes in the world in some sense yeah, this uh, series, if you are unaware, it follows, it's like a continuation of the story. It is. And it is the son of the character that Tom Hanks plays. Uh, and my first thought when seeing the trailer was, they killed off Tom Hanks. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Do we know that? Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they mentioned so that he d- passed kind of the, away. The plot yeah. is, yeah, so the plot is his son inherits this dog that he didn't want because his dad passed away. Uh, and... Basically, he's, the dad's like, you, here's this dog. He's just like the old hooch, uh, and you'll love him or whatever. And then it's this guy but like, I don't want him. And, you know, <laughs> then they grow to love each other while they go on capers. And, um, and sanity ensues. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also my reaction kind of to the trailer was just like, ah, this looks like a Disney Channel movie. You know, it has yeah, the whole like kind of cheesy acting and it's uh, the guy from Drake and Josh. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one he is. Is it Josh? I think it's Josh. It's Josh, yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, he like he still acts like he's a, I guess that was a Nickelodeon show, but it's kind of like a Disney Channel actor. Um, so it looks a little cheesy, so I'm like a little, uh, but maybe it's good. I don't know. At least yeah, it's, it's, it's like, probably like a family thing, heartwarming, so I'm not going to be too critical of it. Yeah, it's definitely one of these things that, like, once you hear that they're remaking something for Disney+, Plus, this is kind of what I picture it being. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's such a crazy thing because you look at, like, Marvel and Star Wars and stuff, and it's, like, this high, high production value that's just in line with all the movies and stuff. But it's, like, all the kind of remakes kind of still seem like they have this, like, really made-for-TV yeah. kind of hokey... Uh, feel to them and i i hope that like you know they're making like a hocus pocus sequel and stuff like that i hope that it doesn't end up being like that because like anytime i hear that like oh they're remaking this or doing a sequel to this on disney plus i immediately think of this kind of trailer where i'm just like uh it seems kind of cheesy and just very just disney channel-esque so um hoping that it's just not a good trailer and it's actually pretty good but who knows right yeah, it's always a it's always a crapshoot with some of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a lot of pressure on the trailer editors in some sense, but we'll see. Well, moving on to Netflix, we have the Masters of the Universe Revelation. Um, there's a trailer out for that. I personally, I think He Man was just a little bit before my time. I remember watching it, but I was not one of the kids obsessed with it. So it looks like it has a pretty good like backing you know budget behind it um but as a non-fan um it doesn't really appeal to me looking at the trailer uh it's you know he-man in general as most things from the 80s especially sci-fi things is like just super weird (laughs) (laughs) because it was started by people who were most likely on drugs and uh this this one's no different so there's that um, it releases, again, this is probably another thing that's going to be, by the time you guys hear this, it will be available now on Netflix. But, do you, Wes, Colin, do you guys, were you guys into He-Man? I don't know if we've had this conversation before. I think we have. I, I'm, I dabbled in He-Man, but it's like I, uh, I was mainly into the toys rather than the animated series because those kind of right at the tail end of yeah. when I was interested in watching things. Um, but the thing that interests me about this series and they've done He-Man a few times as far as like kind of rebooting it or kind of doing an animated series based on it. But this is backed by Kevin Smith. He's the creator of this and he's the main producer of it. Right. And it's a, a 
direct continuation of the original animated series, even though it doesn't look like it. And so that makes me interested, even though it's like, I, I don't know all the storylines and all that of He-Man. It's like, I assume that they're going to make it somewhat like easy for people to just kind of jump right in and kind of know where they're picking up from. Um, and Mark Hamill is the voice of, of, uh, of what's his name? Of, Skeletor. Uh, Skeletor. Why did I forget his name? Um, but th- just things like that. How how much of a fan I am of Kevin Smith and how much he like really gives like fan service. Yeah. Of things like that. And so it, it interests me. And a lot of people on my Twitter feed are super into it. So it's like, and uh, that makes me happy that people that are massive fans of He-Man are really backing this. Well, and so, that's a great point about Kevin Smith because he is a nerd and a fan of himself. So, you know, yeah. he's going to take great care with, you know, control of that franchise and everything. So, and like always, there's always haters of Kevin Smith that sure. worry that he's going to ruin it and all that stuff. But it's like, I feel like from what I can see from afar, it seems like most people are supportive of it. Yeah, I definitely what? didn't grow up on it in that sense, but I'm aware of its existence. But it's not a keystone part of my uh, childhood lore. Yeah. Yep. So sorry to those of you listeners who are a little bit older than us, and you're like, "Come on!" I know. I, um, but you know, feel free to tweet us or Instagram us or email us passforwardcast at aol dot com. Fear Street. We talked about this a little bit before when it was in production. Fear Street is the kind of teenage R.L. Stein series back in the 90s. Um, and this is very interesting. It's very It-like, where it's a multiple movie f- franchise event, whatever you want to call it. And each one takes place in a different decade, but kind of telling the same horror story. Um, the first one's going to take place in the 90s, in 94. Uh, and then the second one's going to take place in the 70s, and the third one's going to take place in the, was it 1600s? Yes. So 1666. It's interesting. <laughs> very clever. 60, oh, mm, very. <laughs> so I did not read that book series, um, and also I'm not a horror fan, but I will say this trailer looked really good. Like It would very much interest me if I was into those things. So, uh, again, I will toss to Wes, the resident horror fan. How did it look to you? Um, I feel like I'm going to bum out some people. I don't feel like I'm very interested in this. Oh, and this is going to seem, if you know me, I'm kind of weird. It's weird because I'm about to review Mortal Kombat for the same reason that I'm going to knock this for is that I, or opposite rather, is that. I was hoping since this was based on R.L. Stein teen kind of uh, property that it was going to be like a kind of a PG-13 kind of like a little bit up from Goosebumps, like go from PG to PG-13. Right. But instead they went to a hard R and I feel like that was, Mm. it was a bad choice and I'm kind of disappointed by that because it's like, I feel like you have one, two extremes. You have either the PG Goosebumps kind of, hokey kind of stuff and then you jump to like the very hard r gory you know all that kind of stuff so it's like i wish that there was more horror stuff for things that like you know for the preteens or like you know the kind of 14 year olds that like they can kind of dabble into horror and scary things without having to get into the very like you know unwatchable kind of things that are just like so violent and just all that stuff. It's like, I feel like there needs to be an in-between and I was excited when they announced this to be like, Oh, it's going to be a trilogy. It's going to release like three weeks in a row. It's like, that's such a good idea. But it's like, once I realized that it was going to be a hard R kind of thing, I'm like, uh, there's already kind of like every, every horror thing that comes out is a hard R kind of thing. So I was hoping it would be something a little different. It's like you look at how Stranger Things is. It's like it's PG-13. It still kind of pushes that level a bit. But it's like I personally love things that have that restraint. It's like mm. I remember we talked about this last year when they were talking about when they announced that they're coming out with another Ren and Stimpy. Where it's like 
I'm worried about that now because they're probably not going to have any restraint. And you know how extreme Ren and Stimpy was when they did have restraint. So it's like, I feel like you are way more creative when you're kind of somewhat put into a box where you can kind of be creative with the ways that you're doing things. So I'm a little bummed that this is rated R. I'm sure I'll check it out at some point, but I was, I'm kind of not in a hurry to check this out. This is already out now. The first two as of recording this, I've already been released and I haven't been in a hurry to watch it. Um, Even though it's something that like, it's R.L. Stein. It's you know, it's the first movie is based in the '90s, and I know that has a major like Scream influence, and s- the '70s one has a major like Friday the Thirteenth vibe to it, and so on. But like, I don't know. It's it's very hard for me to jump into it. Um, yeah, that's. Meanwhile, I'm about to review Mortal Kombat, <laughs> which is which hard. Is like. which is hard R and it's like the very opposite where it was a PG 13 thing. And well, that's so yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very interesting take and I totally see where you're coming from there. And I, I, to give you some grace, I mean, mortal Kombat was always, you know, you can't have mortal Kombat without the gore, but you know, with fear street, (laughs) it's like, Hey, that was 14s. So I get that. I, I think the only thing I could say in defense is the people who were interested in fear street as teenagers are now our age or older. So, yeah, they may want the hard R stuff and not the teenage stuff. So it's a matter of if you're producing this, are you going for a new audience or are you going for the same audience as before? And that's, that's a hard line to walk, but whichever one you do, you need to, you know, go all in. And it seems like they chose one of them and went all in on it. It's kind of like if they did you know, they did the babysitters club. Yeah. And it's like they just came out with a series last year. What if they had gone in with a lot of sex, drugs, and right. alcohol with Babysitter's Club? Because it's like, you know, we grew up in that age range, and now we're adults, and now we want to watch teenagers, you know, doing all that <laughs> stuff. But it's like almost with Fear Street, it's like I love this when I was younger. I want my kids to see this mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's like no, only I can see this or I'm going to be a mess up parent if I let my kids see this like really hard R type of thing. I don't know. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I know which, which audience they chose with this, but it's like, I don't know if it was the right one. That makes sense. Colin, any thoughts there? I mean, not in that same category. It's a way more beautiful deep dive than I had. Yeah. Uh, I would agree that I probably won't watch this, but <laughs> I did uh, appreciate some nuances of the trailer, if that helps. Like, I really did like... Um, I feel like they're casting uh, the kids from Stranger Things. Yep. Because our brains know them for this era. But also, yep. like, in their defense, they're so good. Like, the kids yeah. are so good. Yeah. They're good, they're recognizable, and yeah, it's like it's almost kind of like, I, I hope they're not all being pigeonholed into the, these kinds of roles, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, I like seeing is, them. Is it only Max that is it's in Max, one of yeah. these? Is there somebody yeah, else Max from Stranger Things? That, okay. No, just her. I saw somebody else in something that made me think of the same thing, but uh, also, I felt like the I Will Survive version they had in the trailer, uh, the music, was... Uh, beautifully haunting that was a great rendition of yeah. i will survive like i love that trailers are like dipping into this uh i mean sort of what this podcast is about of like this playing with the nostalgia of music and then creating this new spin on it that like reappropriates it in a way that it wasn't intended for but it serves so well that this was one of those trailers that i'm mm-hmm. like they use that yeah very well i thought i i agree is, completely this is massively off topic uh, have you seen Black Widow yet, Corey? No, I'm seeing Colin? it. Not yet. Tomorrow. Um, there is, uh, in the beginning credit scene, there is a, a massively good example of mm. what you're talking about right uh, now. Gosh, spoiler, spoiler alert, it, Wes. Man. It, 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 gave me, it gave me chill bumps. And so cool. I, I look forward to seeing it. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking I about. That. So. Um, I, I want to give like a little nugget to all the people that expect me to be the horror person and be like, Oh, what the heck Wes? why didn't you like this? Um, <laughs> I, I just read today that, um, the second fear street movie, the seventies one, that's supposed to be kind of very Friday the 13th. It was filmed in the same campsite that, um, Friday the 13th, Jason, Jason lives 
was filmed, which is in Georgia, which I have visited because of that reason, the filming location. So I just found that out today and thought that was like an awesome little Easter egg. And so, yeah, so like I visited that campsite in the late night, mind you, like me and Haley. I remember when we were getting married, it was this campsite was like somewhat in the same distance of where we got married. And we were we were something we were checking out the location and I was like, hey, do you want to check out this like Friday the 13th location like real quick? Because it's like a few miles from it. So like it was probably like. I don't know, nine or 10 o'clock at night. And we went to this place and we had to park on the street and walk like a mile to this campsite. Cause during this time, the camp the camps were not going on. So it's like walking this mile and pitch dark to this campsite was like one of the creepiest things we've ever done to go to this filming site of Friday the 13th. <laughs> nope. And yep. we nope. got, we got, we got to the entrance of the camp and, um, you could see the silhouettes of like the the cabins and you could see there's a lake behind there and we are standing there just kind of taking it in of how creepy this was and we kind of looked to the right and one of the cabin the cabins the one of the lights came on and we we're just like okay we're we're out of here uh, <laughs> so we like booked it back to our car and just left Run! so we didn't really get to, we didn't get to <laughs> live and like see it in daylight and all that kind of stuff. But it's like there was no camps going on at the time. It was not summer. It was just like a random time of the year. So we're just like, okay, I don't know if somebody saw us and they were just staying there. But like it was just one of those things. But hmm. it was it was one of those things that like it makes me so happy that they actually filmed the Fear Street. Yeah. There. Colin is freaking out. <laughs> don't love that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a little nugget if you were expecting me to be all over this trailer and all that. Well, let's move on to happier things. Rugrats. <laughs> the new Complete Rugrats opposite. has released. Has anybody seen it yet? I've watched, watched the first two episodes. Okay. Yeah. I've watched, I've, I've watched the first bit of the first episode, but I didn't finish it. I got distracted away from it. So I've I have not absorbed some well, of it, but I haven't gotten, uh, I haven't absorbed it all. I will say the first episode is 40 minutes long. What the heck is oh. that? Oh wow! Why why is any kids animated show forty minutes? It's not long? for kids. That's the trick. <laughs> no, it's because like I even it. had a hard. <laughs> in, I had a. I was interested in wanting to watch it, and I was getting really distracted. Forty you know, minutes. Like Fifteen minutes in. So I don't know what kid sat through that, but I will give an award to whoever's <laughs> kid sat that long for it. <laughs> Well, Man. real quick, are there any thoughts other than the links of the first episode? I mean, Wes will have a more in-depth uh, review in that sense. I feel like I was pleasantly surprised with how they recreated it in 3D from what I yeah. saw. I'll say it that way. Uh, in the sense of like all of the way that the original Rugrats is shot is like in this weird, almost like fisheye animation style like it's all meant to feel very small because of the obviously babies and they represented that lens wise animation wise even style wise in the new version that i was actually like nerdily impressed by i don't know if that carries into the rest of the actual show because i didn't watch enough of it i got distracted away from it but uh <laughs> technically i enjoyed what they were doing with it it was surprisingly a impressive adaptation of the uh, style of the original Rugrats. Wes might have a better review of the actual content in that sense. But. No, I definitely agree. I feel like most of the time I was enamored by like the, um, the way that they transitioned from traditional animation to CG. I feel like the way they did it was like, yes, that translate perfectly to it even like the beginning title board and like the credits and everything they did a good job of like 3difying it but it yeah. still stays true to the original um as obviously it's like you know it's rugrats you know it's the original cast it's it's i i don't know about the writers but i assume that it's 
I would assume it's kind of similar writers and all that stuff. So it, it's very in line to what we're used to seeing with Rugrats. It's not like this overblown action pack thing, which I was kind of nervous of, of like, oh, God, they're probably going to make this like very imaginative form of it where they do these like overblown epic adventures but they're not staying small and true to like what the original series was, which was, oh, these are babies in this like very small space and they're solving these, when we really think about it, very small problems, but it seems big to them. Um, so they stayed true to that aspect. They didn't make it like big and flashy and fast the way that I thought they were. They stayed very true. It's a very continuation of the original series. Obviously, they updated a bit at cell phones. The grandpa is like a 60s kind of has like a braided ponytail and <laughs> loves yoga and stuff like that. That is the, the one major change to it. Um, the adults, I think, are different voice casts. So it's only the babies that, that are the original cast. So that kind of throws you off a little bit. But once you get used to that, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I will say that... Le- like uh, the first episode, 40 minutes long, that was way too long for, you know, at least like a first episode. But um, second episode goes right back to form where it's 20 minutes long, two, two episodes in one. So each one is like, you know, 10 or 12 minutes long. So it's like that is perfect for, you know, kids to be able to enjoy and watch. So um, I don't know. I Since I've only watched the first two episodes, I can't say too much, but I feel like it's, you know, if you like Rugrats, you're going to like this. So Hmm. um, no disappointment there. And it's like, like I said, it's funny how they kind of update certain things. They did the intro pretty much exactly the way the original intro is. But like Chucky, he's riding a vacuum in the original one, like a traditional vacuum. But in this one, he's riding a Roomba and riding it around and all that stuff. So I thought that that was a funny detail that's easy to miss. But Mm -hmm. it's like it's funny how they just kind of slightly update things a little Mm -hmm. bit just so it's relevant, but it still stays true to the original, which I can kind of say as a whole for it. Very cool. Uh, So there was a reunion that happened, a reunion of six friends. (laughs) Not babies. Who were (laughs) called friends. On the show Friends. Uh, did you guys watch the Friends reunion episode? I did not. I, sc- I scrubbed through bits of it because I had a okay. few people <laughs> tell me. Uh, that's really pathetic, isn't it? I had a few people tell me that uh, because of like the set rebuild that they did to be able to make this actual whole thing happen. Uh, happen at Sony Studios. And... Um, they're like, you'll appreciate all the behind the scenes of like the set shots that they do, like the little wider mm-hmm. uh, lighting and set shots, which I did. Like I was, uh, those are like the beginning parts of it before James Cord comes <laughs> on the scene and does his thing. Uh, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was a really okay. fun perspective of showing a lot of that kind well, of stuff. Well, I guess I'm going to be West this time and just Ooh. carry this review on my shoulders. Uh, I watched the whole thing. Um, I was a huge Friends fan, as I was of most sitcoms in the 90s. Uh, I've seen every episode and and watched it when it was at its peak. So um, I loved it. Uh, It was really, it was longer than the Fresh Prince one, but um, I think, obviously, Friends had a much bigger fan base and more nerdy fan base, so to speak. If that makes sense, more people obsessed with Friends and people were obsessed with with Fresh Prince. Um, I thought they did a good job doing a lot of fan service in it. Um, I think the biggest comment everybody seemed to make after watching it was just how rough Matthew Perry looked. True. Um, he did not look like he was doing great and then made a comment yeah. even where they were, James Corden was asking them about them keeping in touch with each other and like, oh yeah, we text all the time. And Matthew Perry makes the joke where he's like, no one's texted me. Everybody laughs, but it's like kind of like you're like, uh, he might be telling the truth. Yeah, he was kind of Matthew scary in that one for sure. <laughs> Good one. Got him. Uh, the whole thing was, I, I, I think it was overall, they did a lot of really good fan service. There were, they, there were, they did cameos from a bunch of bit characters like Gunther and Janice um, and Ross and Rachel's parents. There were some that you kind of wish they would bring in. Um, it would have been awesome if they had Brad Pitt with Jennifer Aniston right there mm. since he was he guest starred. <laughs> yeah, point. but uh, 
anyway, yeah, it was. I, I recommend it if you were a Friends fan at all. It's very interesting just to see kind of the behind the scenes stuff. I think one of the biggest like kind of shockers or revealing things I'd never heard before was um, James Corden brought up like was there ever any off screen romances that happened and uh, uh, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston admitted they both had crushes on each other and were crushing hard on each other those first few seasons when they were playing people who were crushing hard on each other. Hmm. Um, But they never actually got together according to them. Um, And they, they kind of said that that actually just fueled their on screen chemistry, which I thought this is something that, that was a layup for James Corden to bring up. There's an episode of friends where Joey is dating, uh, an, another actress that he's in a play with. And the whole joke there is that he points out is that if you have chemistry with somebody on stage, that means you, you, you're not together off stage. But when two people don't have chemistry on stage, it's usually because they're hooking up off stage. Um, Ugh. And that whole concept could have been brought up in this instance, yeah. but they missed it. But anyway, I <laughs> uh, definitely recommend watching it. It's fun. They do a lot of great things. It was, it was really good fan service and it was good to see them all together. Uh, and there were a lot of also really funny memes that came from Matt LeBlanc, just of how he looked. Apparently uh, Twitter blew up uh, from Irish people commenting on how he looked like every Irish uncle that they know. <laughs> it's like very so niche. <laughs> so if you look it up on Twitter, there's just so many memes of like certain things Irish uncles say over Matt LeBlanc sitting back <laughs> with his arms crossed. And you can kind of relate to it because he does kind of look like a dad. Um, yeah. Just the way that he sits and everything. But uh, anyway, if you want a good laugh, look it up. Because it was still funny even if you're not Irish. Very weird. <laughs> That's, That's so super funny. funny. <laughs> okay, so Mortal Kombat. I have uh, a confession. I still have not gotten around to watching it. Oh. We were going to go, like, Heather wanted to watch it in the theater, and by the time we were able to, like, find a babysitter and, like, just find time to do it, it was at, pulled out of the theater that was near us. So, Yeah, I feel like it was right before, you know, people were – fully vaccinated and all that yeah. stuff. So I feel like it was like one of those things where it's like, it was a little bit too soon to really live on. Cause I feel like there's been movies that right now that have been in there for like three months or so yeah. where it's like, you know, like, are you, it had only been out yet? for like, but it's yeah. It only been out for like three or four weeks at that point. And yeah. I was surprised it wasn't there anymore. So, and then we, we have HBO max, but again, it's just, you know, finding the time. Yeah. I watched it on HBO Max. I think weekend it opened, I believe. Um, Colin, I assume you didn't watch. It. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> back to Wes, carrying the reviews. Yeah, I did back not. to Wes. Well, I'm at least a, it's at least a little balanced now. Colin saw some of one thing, you saw the other thing. Yeah. I didn't see, so it's a, a little more balanced. We're getting better. Always, so yeah, so it's good. <laughs> All we need is like to not record for like three months, and we yeah, should be works good. out. Yeah, just time. Um, okay. So, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was not the end all be all Mortal Kombat adaptation that you would hope for. I feel like, you know, they had a red band trailer where they showed all the gory details and like, yeah, we're really going for it. But I feel like other than what they showed in the trailer, there wasn't a whole lot more than what they were offering. Um, as far as like you know gory stuff and all that which is fine i don't really feel i don't really feel like you, you have to have gory stuff for like a moral combat thing to succeed i feel like kind of needs to just be self-aware and kind of know what it's doing and i feel like it kind of halfway did that i feel like they had they played into a little bit of the over over, over the top stuff but then again they were kind of treating it also like it's like you know we're a marvel movie and taking it seriously and all that stuff so it's like i feel like it almost didn't really know what it wanted to be, but it kind of still kind of somehow worked a little bit. Um, as far as like kind of fan service, I feel like they did a pretty good job of like, you know, all the fights that were happening, they kind of mimicked what would be like levels from the video game. Like every time that there was like a major fight, it looked like, you know, a level that you would play on the video game. 
um, which was pretty cool to kind of see because I feel like with the original movie in the 90s, they didn't really do that as well. It felt kind of a little generic. Um, What was weird is that there was they kind of went into it like Mortal Kombat is this great tournament between dimensions and all this stuff that they talk about. And what's weird is that the movie took, it seemed like it, I could have, you know, not taken this right, the right, the right way, but it's like, it seemed like everything that happened in the movie was pre tournament. Like they were trying to prevent certain things from happening and all the, all the fights that were happening with that were trying to, prevent something from happening to move on to the actual tournament. So it's weird to me that they didn't center the movie around the actual tournament. It was all kind of like leading up to it, Hmm. which I don't know. It's very obvious, like with most movies that they're leading up to a sequel or a, a, you know, like a universe of some kind. They have like a post credit scene where they kind of tease a few things. So it's like, I don't know if they're kind of leading up to the big tournament being the sequel or what they're doing, but that was kind of a weird thing that, that I feel like movies do that, like just make the movie don't try and build this whole thing. Um, I feel like there was like a lot of, you know, moves and everything. Like there was like Liu King had like the bicycle kick and the dragon fatality and things like that. And Scorpion had like the skull, with fire breathing out of it. And there was, there was just like a lot of like Easter eggs. Like if you watch the, if you play the games that you really be like, Oh yeah, that was, you know, something that I saw in the game that was, you know, the good fan service. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a sequel to it. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of it was kind of story building in a way. So I feel like if they were to do a, a sequel, I feel like it would be, pretty good um so overall i felt like it was pretty good um it wasn't like i said it wasn't the end all be all mortal Kombat, but like i feel like it was an enjoyable watch especially that it was rated r which is the complete opposite of what i was saying about fear street (laughs) which i know is hypocritical but but like Corey said it's it's always been gory so you might as well just kind of play into the thing yeah the expectations people expect yeah so Overall, I would recommend watching it if you were a big fan of Mortal Kombat. But, you know, it, I would say it's B minus, B plus kind of territory. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it for us. All the reviews, all the trailers, all of the reboots and revivals and deaths. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up, Corey. <laughs> yep. That's if you fast forward to this point. I'm sorry I just spoiled it for you. Um, That was it. That's all we did. So thanks for checking in with us. Thanks for staying subscribed, even though we kind of take long breaks these days. But uh, we're still going strong. We'll have another episode coming out soon. So thanks for joining us. If you want to interact with us at all, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We got got an email, passforwardcast.aol.com. We're at Passforwardcast on social medias. Hit us up. Let us know what you think of all the things. And that's it for us. So until next time. I love you, but more than Wes does. (laughs) Aw. Yeah. Flawless victory. Friendship. Later, Snort. (laughs) Pass Ford was recorded in front of a live studio audience at Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Not... Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over! Oh, yeah! Kick it!